Good day to you, my friend. I hope you're having a good day in the Lord. I certainly am. I'm excited to be here with you today. Right now, my Bible is open in front of me to the book of Titus, Titus and chapter two. If at all possible, reach over right now, pick up your own copy of the word of God and turn there. Titus chapter two. I'll be reading verses six, seven, and eight here in just a moment. Along with your Bible, why not get something on which you can jot some notes? I'll be giving our outline for this segment of scripture, and I think it'll help you think through it more clearly as the days go by. I have a gospel tract in my hand. Now, do you know what a gospel tract is? A gospel tract is a short written presentation of God's plan of salvation. I want to put some of these gospel tracts into your hand. I'm going to say something about that in a moment, but let me, let me prepare us for our study this way. Well, if you give me a moment for a personal note here, as you are hearing the broadcast, my body is in the country of Cuba. By faith, I'm making this broadcast ahead of time, and by faith, I'm planning for my airplane to land safely, and certainly by faith, I'm hoping my interpreter will show up and be ready to get down to business. During the daytime hours, I'll be part of a team that'll be teaching church leaders, but then in the evenings, we'll be out and about in area churches preaching the gospel. Would you please pray for the ministry there in Cuba during this week? Here in Titus 2, we are in a section of scripture dealing with the development of godly lay folk in a local church. To be sure, every local church needs a godly pastor, but God never intended for a godly pastor to do all the work. So godly lay people must be trained and prepared. And this includes the young people in the church. And that's the very segment that we're dealing with here, developing godly younger segments in our churches. Would you please get your Bible, get something on which you can jot some notes. Let's learn what God expects of us as it relates to the younger people in our church. I mentioned the gospel tracts here a moment ago. Now listen, at the end of this program, my announcer is going to come back on and give you three ways by which you can give to us your name and your mailing address. If you've got that piece of paper and pen ready, have it ready so that you can jot down the method that works best for you. Give us, please, your name and your mailing address. We will send you a sample packet with over 40 gospel tracts in it, all of them English, and you're going to find some great gospel tools there. One of them is this track, Seven Questions Boys and Girls Ask. This gospel track is used by a lot of people who teach Sunday school. It's used by a lot of churches during their vacation Bible school. But even more important, it's used by parents and grandparents who want to, well, as one older pastor once said to me, they want to go fishing in their own pond. Jesus said that he wants us to be fishers of men. Parents and grandparents need to be fishing for the souls of their children and grandchildren. That's what he meant by fishing in their own pond. Here's a great tool to help you do that. Seven questions boys and girls ask. If you don't know how to begin to communicate the gospel to an elementary age boy or girl, here's a great tool. Please, please let us send it to you. I want to put into your hand evangelism tools that will help you reach not just your children and grandchildren, 
but people around you. The best gospel track God ever invented is you and me, dear believer friend, living a godly, holy life, but sitting eyeball to eyeball with a lost person explaining the gospel. But since we can't do that, to all the people that we meet, we found these tools of gospel tracks to help us extend our witness. Please be ready. When my announcer gives our contact information, let me send you these tracks, including this one, Seven Questions Boys and Girls Ask. Let me send it to you today. Let's you and I be partners in the ministry. If your Bible is open there to the book of Titus chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading at verse uh, 6. If you can't follow along because you're driving or whatever, let me read clearly for you. Verse 6 says this, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things showing thyself, uh, thyself there is Titus, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of a contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Stop right there, please. Not long ago at all, I was in a local church whose pastor had retired, and this church was searching for a new man. That's a good thing, but I found out that about 10 years earlier, this church had a 19-year-old young man, a volunteer, working with the teenagers in the area right around the church, reaching to them with the gospel. He had gathered about 30 teens who were coming regularly, and all of these teens were unchurched. Some were receiving Christ as Savior. What a tremendous thing. But the pastor that was there felt that an older man needed to lead the teens, but no older man either would or could. So guess what? The teen ministry just stopped dead in its tracks. Beloved, that's a tragedy. Rather than grasp that God was using this young man and then coming alongside and helping to build him up, the pastor stopped it. He was unwilling to disciple and develop this man that obviously God had selected. Let me just stop and get a little bit personal here for a moment. Often we in our local churches are too quick to send our young people off to Bible school rather than get personally involved in developing that younger generation. Lest you think I am only talking to you and not to myself, I want to share this with you. I am personally involved with teaching the teenagers at the church where my wife and I are members. She and I have monthly leadership meetings with two of the key teens at our church. Now, what verses 6, 7, and 8 speak about here is very near and dear to my heart. I want to give you an outline here for the chapter, at least thus far, of chapter 2. My outline goes like this. Notice the T words. In verse 1, the pastor is to truth the people. Truth. In verses 2 through 5, the pastor is to teach the older believers. But now, in verses 6 through 8, the pastor is to train the younger believers. 
here in verses 6 through 8, I'm going to see and point out three basic things. And to lay them out, I'm going to use three words that begin with the letter E, like in the word elephant. And here are those words. Titus here, the one being written to was to exhort. That's number one. He was to be an example, number two. And he was then to expect examination. The word examination is number three. Those three words, exhort, example, and examination. Let's take them first of all from verse seven here. The word is exhort. Titus was told here by the Apostle Paul under the work of the Spirit of God. In verse 6, he says, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Now, if there was any one quality that Titus or any other present-day pastor is to be building into the younger segment of our local churches, it obviously is this one here called sober-mindedness. It sure appears that way to me because, well, it obviously must have been a high priority with God. You see, the root word translated here, sober-mindedness, is also found in chapter 1 and verse 8, chapter 2 and verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 4, chapter 2 and verse 5, and now here in verse 6. Put simply, this word sober-mindedness refers to having a sensible or being a self controlled person, sensible in our thinking, self-controlled, yes, in our thinking. Now, the self-control was to be found, frankly, in every area of a leader's life, but now it's to be found in every area of a layperson's life. Evidently, it is possible for younger people to be exhorted to be self-controlled people, but this is a trait that not only can be, they can be exhorted about, they can be taught how to be that way. I read this and I'm immediately reminded of a verse over in Psalm 34. Psalm 34 verse 11 says this, come ye children, hearken unto me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, if I'm a little naive here, please forgive me, but I, I kind of sort of think the Bible means what it says. Children are to be taught godly fear, so evidently they can learn godly fear. The younger members of our church are to be taught self-control, so obviously and evidently they can learn self-control. When I spoke a moment ago about that church where the 19-year-old young man was having such a powerful ministry among the local teens, part of the problem there at that church was this. Some of the older folk at the church didn't like what was happening. They didn't like how these newly reached teenagers were dressed when they came to church. And even when some of these teenagers came to Christ and were born again, these older folk expected them to immediately act like they'd grown up in a Bible-preaching-teaching local church. That church had then and still has today a very inward focus when it comes to ministry. Church, you see, is all about these older members. They do not have a heart for the lost around them. Lost people, you see, if you start getting involved with the lost people, they're going to come with some very messy lives. And to disciple them was going to take work and effort by far more people than just a pastor. Well, 
let me try to wrap things up today this way. Can I ask you some questions? Here's number one. Are you concerned about the next generation of gospel servants? If the Lord should tarry, are you concerned about where the next generation of gospel servants will come from? If you are, then are you prepared and involved in preparing the next generation that's part of your church? Or are you praying specifically for the young people in your church by name? Do you know them well enough to know their name and how to effectively, personally pray for them? Here's another question. Are you personally a friend with anybody whose life has been made, well, their life has been made very unchurch-like due to sinfulness? Are you trying to bring them to Jesus? Beloved, I can't change your heart. That's, that's the task of God. Only he can do that. But what I can do is bring you tools. They're called gospel tracks that God can use to help extend your outreach and maybe by so doing, broaden your own heart, broaden even my heart farther so that we might have a heart for lost people, love them in their messiness, bring them to Christ still in their messiness. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.